0: Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. We're continuing our series today that we call Five Guys. We're examining some of the covenants or promises that God made with five specific people throughout the Old Testament. So far, Pastor Nicole has talked about God's promises to Adam, Noah, and Abraham. And through their stories, we've seen that God promises us a salvation, a redemption, and a savior to rescue us from this world. Today we're joined by Pastor Quint Lindblad who's going to discuss our next guy and that's Moses. What can we learn from the way that God revealed himself to Moses? That's what we'll discover today. So let's get started and continue our series. Here's Pastor Quint.
1: We are moving right along in our study of the five guys, okay, as Pastor Nicole just mentioned, who make up, God made these unique covenants in the Old Testament, and what we've been doing is we've been getting a a bird's-eye view of kind of like the start of everything, of God's relationship with man, all right? If you've been with us all along, you know all these things, but if not, let me just give you a quick review. Uh, First, we started with a look at the covenant that God made with Adam, and we learned from the very beginning when man screwed things up, God started a redemption plan. And I love how Pastor Nicole said, way back in Genesis 3, the first sermon got preached, and God was the preacher, okay? When he preached to the devil that there would be a plan for redemption uh, for what he had stolen and what was broken. We then learned about the mercy of God and his everlasting promise that he reminds us of with the rainbow, all right, just like he put a rainbow in the sky for Noah after the flood and after kind of the reset of mankind, he puts rainbows in the sky now, and they are to serve as a reminder of his promises towards us. And then last week, we looked at Abraham, and we learned that before Abraham ever reached out to God, God chose him, okay? And when Abraham gave God his yes, God gave Abraham the blessings of a great nation and the descendants that outnumber the stars in the sky. And today we are going to continue looking into that. But all of this is to say that the story of God is about real people, real places, real faith. Things may have looked different back then, but those components are all the same. And if we are going to fully understand, accept, and live in the story of God, then we need to know who the players in the game are. All right. The story of redemption starts in the Old Testament. It's followed through these five men, and today we are moving along, and we are going to look at the covenant God made with a man named Moses, okay? Moses uh, really was the guy who was selected by God to lead and guide the masses of people that were Abraham's descendants, okay? So God made this big promise to Abraham, and I'm sure if Moses could have been in on the planning meeting, he would have asked for a more manageable prophecy, okay? Because he was going to be the one who had to lead all of these descendants that outnumber the stars in the sky out of Egypt. Uh, So, we're going to get back to that here in a minute, but what I need to do this morning, and my wife read through this message last night and said, that is a lot. I need to pretty much summarize 18 chapters of the book of Exodus in the next 5 to 10 minutes, okay? So, are you ready for that? All right. Just be glad you're not me this morning, okay? But we... All along uh, up to this point, we've been studying from the book of Genesis. We are now moving into the book of Exodus where we read about uh, Moses and everything that he did. But a, a line jumped off the page at me as I was preparing this, and it says, Without the Exodus, the promises of Abraham were nothing. See, God made all these promises to Abraham, but For them, they needed to be fulfilled, and Exodus really is the telling of that story. Okay, so we read through all this, and as Genesis comes to a close, we see that uh, so Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had twelve sons. Okay, and those sons all end up moving to Egypt. Okay, if you if you know these stories, you would know that there's a story where Joseph was sold into slavery for the most part. Okay, Joseph's, uh, or I'm sorry, Isaac's 12 sons get along great. There is just that one little hiccup in there where they decide they don't like Joseph, they sell him into slavery. Uh, Through God's hand on his life, he ends up being raised up in politics, and he oversees a famine that strikes Egypt, and they bless the the neighboring countries. And through that, that is how there's this reunion story of uh, all of the sons coming to Egypt and being reunited with Joseph. And then actually what happens is they set up shop in Egypt, okay? This becomes home for them. And so all of uh, Isaac's descendants, Joseph and all of his brothers, they move there, uh, and it was through Joseph's wild faith and his obedience that set up a path for this to even happen. But this was God really stacking the deck for uh, what would be this amazing story in this Moses covenant, all right? Exodus 1 tells us of the many generations of this family as they just continue to fill the land of Egypt, all right? They become prosperous. It's many, many generations. They, they grow, they multiply, and eventually they are perceived as a threat by the new pharaoh. He is not impressed by the number of people that are not Egyptians living in his country. And so he actually enslaves these people, okay? At the end of Exodus 1, you can read that he is doing some very, uh, taking drastic measures to limit the number of descendants that they have, okay? He is not letting uh, babies be born, and he's limiting the number of babies they can have, the genders of the babies they can have. It's a mess. In chapter 2, we see God work out a path for a specific boy Named Moses, all right? His mother took steps to make sure that Pharaoh's own daughter would intercept Moses one day when she was down in the river. So she thought, I cannot have my baby be killed like all these other babies have been. She took these steps. This princess, Pharaoh's daughter, takes this baby in and makes him her own. And because of that, he is raised in the presence of Egyptian royalty. He understands their customs. He is uniquely qualified to later be the liaison between the Egyptian royalty and the Israelite people, okay? All of this was God's hand at work in his life just as it had been at work in Joseph's life prior, okay? It was all for a greater good to be done. As the story continues, Moses attempted to fight for justice for the Israelite people. He saw the injustices that were happening, he understood where he came from. And there's actually a story where at one point he murdered an Egyptian person who was abusing Israelite people. And you would think that that would be this valiant effort that they would appreciate, but they actually, it really just made Pharaoh very upset, okay? And it made the Israelites wonder, what kind of person is this? Is he unstable? Are we next? Is he going to kill me? So they did not trust him. And so because of this, he actually flees. He actually runs, and he ends up becoming a foreigner in a foreign land and building a life in that foreign land, all right? And sometimes that is just how things go. I mean, even in our lives. I think God details out the, spe- the specifics of this story and so many others to show us that the ending isn't determined by the beginning or the middle. I think what we see with Moses is that God had this unique plan for his life that we now know, but he did not know that. And he had to live through these struggles and he had to live through these things. And I would not have guessed that he would be the centerpiece of a redemption story based on where we're at in the story right now when he flees Egypt to go build a life in a foreign land. We can get so fixated on how things are going on how things are going in our lives in a specific moment because we are stuck there. But God is flying through 18 chapters of our lives in 5 to 10 minutes and we're stuck one page at a time, one line at a time. And I think we need to remember that and that is why I believe that's one of the, the most powerful things about these stories in the Bible is that God shows us the ending is not determined by the middle or even the beginning. Stay the course. So as Moses is building this life as a foreigner in a foreign land, God shows up. Have you ever had that happen? You're just doing your thing. Life's not turning out exactly how you thought maybe it would, uh, but you're just doing the best you can with what you've got, where you're at, and then all of a sudden, God shows up. All right? Boom. It can be a little disorienting. All right? That's definitely something that I've experienced in my life, but what I love is that when Moses gets encountered by God and told clearly that he's gonna go back to Egypt, he is given like, it's time. Now it's time, we're gonna go finish what we've started. And he puts up a fight and he resists and he's not ready and, and, he, and you know what? God just patiently listens. God just says, yep, yeah, mm, okay. Overcomes his objections, okay? He just lets him say all the things and he works his way to it. But then, when he first goes back, to Egypt, it says, God says, let my people go, it actually just makes Pharaoh really upset, okay? He was uh, uneasy in Exodus 1 and 2 when he saw how large the population of this, this people had become. But he was like legitimately upset and started taking actions and saying more bricks with less straw and all of these things as they were his slaves that were building his pyramids. And uh, what you see over the next several chapters is all of these plagues that God brought against Pharaoh to get his point across, okay? He, I, I will let you read them, but he t- does all of these crazy things to get his point across, and finally, Pharaoh releases the people, and Moses leads over two million Israelite slaves out of Egypt through the Red Sea and on his way to Mount Sinai, okay? Now, uh, when they get to Mount Sinai, It's covenant time, and that's why we're here this morning to learn about this covenant. But before we get to that, I want to tell you a quick story. In 2000, I think it was 2019, a guy landed on a private jet in the Venango County Regional Airport, okay? He was then put in an old beat-up pickup truck, and he drove north to this city called Erie, Pennsylvania, with like three or four or five hundred dollars in his pocket. I can't remember all the details, okay? But he he documented all this. His goal was to start a business within 90 days that was worth over a million dollars. Does anybody remember this? The the uh, show was called Undercover Billionaire, okay? And our own Cleet Collins, I saw him, he just walked out of here. Our own Cleet Collins was on that original season of Undercover Billionaire, okay? And you guys are gonna think we're starting a food war if I start talking about the restaurant he started and we serve you five guys on the way out the door. That's not my point. But Cleet has been waiting five years for me to use this line in a sermon. I saw him just walk out there, so hopefully you can hear me out there, Cleet. But listen, there was some, I don't remember all the details, but there was some episode and there was all this drama, as shows have, right? And uh, Cleet steps in to diffuse the situation, which he successfully does. He brings everybody back down to planet Earth. And then in like the the one-on-one interview, he says, adults are really just grown children. And I texted him at that moment and was like, that's the line of the show, my man. Adults are really just grown children, okay? That is so true. I think we all, as adults, have had to diffuse situations with children, right? That we see uh, something escalating. I mean, I got five kids. Everything's always escalating, okay? And... We, we see that chaos, that confusion, and we go in and we diffuse the situation. Adults are really just the same. We might be a little more uh, refined, a little more balanced, uh, less often, hopefully, there are those situations, but adults are really just grown children, and sometimes we need people to intervene and diffuse situations, okay? No one in the Bible, I my opinion here, okay? understood that sentence more than Moses. As he led two million Israelite people from one area to another through the desert, he had an impossible job. And you can read more of the details on that in Exodus 1 through 20. But I, that was the moment, all right? Like I said, Cleet's been waiting five years. And then when she said, you're preaching on Moses, I'm like, here it is. Holy Spirit brought it all together. So here we go. All right. So now I want to look at this newly updated and more developed covenant that God gave to Moses, okay? That is not to say that God did away with previous covenants. He absolutely did not, okay? But what we see uh, as we study, really what we see is that all of these covenants, they just keep making the net wider, okay? Okay? And and each covenant, fu- the next covenant fulfills the previous. And so really, the instructions that God gives as he gives more and more covenants just gives us more context and more understanding. And what started with a promise to Adam and then to Noah, a promise to mankind, then went to a family through Abraham, okay? And then through Abraham, it grew to an entire nation, an entire race. And so God keeps upping what is involved in the covenant as the players, as, as more and more people are involved. The net just keeps getting wider. So to put it simply, the Old Testament and its covenants are really just the continuous revelation of God the Father to more and more people, okay? The continuous revelation of God the Father to more and more people. We have a unique benefit. We have 100% of the story bound in leather in our hands or on our screens, okay? We just kind of know it all, all right? But here's what you should remember as you read this book. The first five books of the Bible were written by Moses. The first 20 chapters or so of Exodus are his life story. He had to live it before he could write it, right? And so it can be so like obvious to us because it's just like Right there, and we just read it. But this was their literal lives, and then they later went back and documented it, okay? So what we see in Exodus 19 and 20 is God giving more specific instructions to this entire race of people because there are more players in the game, and there needs to be more instruction. We call those, uh, this covenant and those commands, the Ten Commandments, okay? You've probably heard of them. But if you haven't, let me go ahead and just read them off to you real quick. Here, Here we go. Commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or the earth below. Number three, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Number four, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Number five, honor your father and mother. Number six, you shall not murder. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Number eight, you shall not steal. Number nine, you shall not lie about or against your neighbor And number 10, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, spouse, or possessions. Okay, a lot could be said and a lot has been said about the Ten Commandments. But for our purpose this morning and for this series on covenants, what I want to say is that what we see through these Ten Commandments is a God who is just further revealing himself to this nation. It's as if he is saying, I am the God who delivered you from Egypt But now if you want to know the type of God that I am, and if you want to know the things that are going to be off limits for the furthering of our relationship, here's the list, okay? Here are the 10 things. Now, you have to remember this, all right? And this was actually pointed out to me as I researched for this message. Their context for God, for worship, for all of it, was incomplete and confused. That is why this was necessary. They had witnessed for generations the Egyptian approach to God and to temples and to worship. They had seen it done wrong so much that God had to give them a foundation for what would be constituted as right in their newfound freedom and in this new relationship. It was going to be a process, all right? One author that I read as I prepared this said it this way. The law served to sketch the profile of God to a fallen race who no longer had any idea who God was or what he defined as a good. We have to remember that. He was, st- he was building a foundation of understanding with these people. He understood they need the basics and we will build from there. Now, as we continue to read through the entire story arc of the Bible, everything from Exodus until we get into the New Testament, what we see is a lot of human confusion, human brokenness, human... Uh, interference into these Ten Commandments. And by the time Jesus steps on the scene in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Gospels, these Ten Commandments had been added to, expanded on, and leveraged to the point of we had over 600 things that Israelite people were now supposed to adhere to to keep these commandments. It was like sub points to the point, okay? And really, when, when we go all the way back and we see that this is just a revelation of what's going to matter to be in right relationship with God, he, we see Jesus step in in Matthew 22, and I'm actually going to start at verse 34. Matthew 22: 34 through 40, it says, hearing this Jesus hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? So then Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, neither of those commandments are actually listed in those 10 commandments, but what you see happening here is Jesus is trying to fix what man has broken. God gave 10 commandments to try to reveal this is who I am, this is what I'm going to be about, this is how we're going to go forward. Man gets involved and screws everything up, and Jesus comes and says, we need to go back even further to the basics. We need to go all the way down to the point. The point has been missed, okay? And what I think... When I read through this and when I read verse 40, verse 40 is what shines the brightest light on all of these commandments, okay? Light exposes what might be trying to hide. So if anything is ever trying to hide and we put light on it, we see what we are missing. And in verse 40, Jesus says this, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The CSB translation says, all the law and the prophets depend on, on these commandments, okay, these two commandments. And what does that mean? What that means is that when we love God with everything that we have, okay, when we love him through our brokenness and our imperfection and our inability to be faithful no matter how hard we try, but we keep getting back up and we keep trying, we fulfill the first four of the commandments, if you read through them again, okay? The first four commandments that God gave in the Ten Commandments are fulfilled simply by loving God with all our heart, our mind, and our soul, all right? Then, if we keep reading, he says, when we love our neighbors as we love ourselves, we fulfill the other six. These two things completely fulfill those Ten Commandments that were given to us. And here, I think, is the point. The point is that we cannot do this by our own willpower. We cannot do this by enough effort. To be quite frank, we can't do it. How do we know we can't do it? Because the Israelites had added to it to the point where it got to 600 steps. That's how impossible it was to do it from our own effort. But what can do it? Love. Love can do it. And Jesus is making the point in this moment that it's going to be love that will be enough to to fulfill this list, okay? Because this list really isn't the point. The point is that we love God with all that we have and we love others. When we welcome Jesus Christ into our lives, it is his love that reforms us. It is his love that makes us new. It is not our new habits. It is not our new, those are good. These are good things, but they're not the point. The point is that Jesus' love at work in us, reforming our heart, that's what does it. We become more like him. We become in tune with his heart for all people and we can start to walk in his type of love. Honestly, that is what we recognize this morning with baptism. We recognize people who have invited Jesus into their lives to reform them and all baptism is is the public declaration of that. But I want to tell you this. Your first step is the the act of salvation. Your first step is crying out to God and saying I need you, Jesus. I need your love to invade my life and to reform me. If you have not done that step, please see us after. Come to these prayer tables at the end of the service. We would love to, to talk with you, to pray with you, to guide you through that. Baptism is, a, is the next step, but that first step is what is so important. Would you stand as we get ready to wrap up this morning? I just have a couple of parting thoughts. As we think about these Ten Commandments, this Mosaic Covenant, the, the fact that Jesus That God the Father continuously reveals himself to us through each covenant. We just know more and more of him and more and more of what he's about. And then Jesus shows up and, and opens it up to all of mankind and says, love God and love others. In John 15, 13, Jesus said this, greater love has no man than this, to lay down his life for a friend. For Jesus, that meant laying down his own physical life. It also meant laying down his preferences, his godship to come be a man, right? But also, he laid down his own physical life on that cross for you and me. For you and me, what laying down our lives for our friends truly means, okay, is letting go of our preferences, our assumptions, Creating a space to love God, to love others. Creating a, a space filled with grace for other people's journey. Okay, that is, that is one of the greatest things we can give to each other. And when we do that, we will be fulfilling this love God and love others uh, covenant. So, what I would say is that you now, you you might say, how does something from Exodus 20 apply to me February 26, 2023? I'll tell you how. It applies to you more than ever because you now have a more complete understanding you, know, you have the whole book bound in leather. You have no excuses, okay? And, and you now have a complete understanding of what God's original intent was for that covenant and for your life. So I want to pray to that end. And like I said, if you have never taken that first step of entering into relationship with God the Father, with Jesus Christ... We want to talk with you. We want to pray with you because the most important thing you will ever do, and it's when you do that, that Jesus' love will come in, reform your life, and put you on a track where you can love God and love others. So let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you so much for how you come on the scene all those thousands of years later, and you make simple what man had made hard. You make clear what we had made muddy. And so we thank you for that, Jesus. I pray over every person in this room, I pray that you will give us uh, a special grace to have grace for other people's journey, to, to love you more than we've ever loved you, to love others in new ways as we go into this week and this Easter season. We just praise you and we thank you for your faithfulness to us when we struggle to be faithful, Lord, but we know you are so good to redeem and so we worship you this morning. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. We'd love it if you give us a rating and a review on your podcast app. And please subscribe so you never miss a message. You can follow Erie First on Facebook or Instagram or visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.